other slide with the, with the six states. So pick the six states kind of around Colorado where the wind is excellent, where there is a transmission to get that wind going. And they said these states are not growing as fast as they need to in installed wind capacity. Uh, when they start growing as fast as they need to, they will not be able to find the uh, employment employees that they need to run the wind farms. Uh, so let's get busy and see what we can do to make those the communities in those states more receptive towards wind energy. So what we do is put up these little wind turbines. That's one of them there. Uh, one blade is a little bit longer than I am to give you an idea of how big they are. Uh, we do five schools per year uh, per state, and then we require that the students, that the schools, uh, use some wind energy curriculum and teach about wind energy and energy in general uh, with the uh, wind turbine as a, a big help there. So the kinds of things that they can teach are math, physics, engineering, energy, environmental topics, stewardship, as well as marketing. How do you sell these things to other people? Okay. Um, there's a graph, a map there of the United States, as you can probably imagine, and it was actually a wind map to give you an idea of what the, the uh, wind resource is in the six states that we've got involved. NREL would like to expand this at a rate of five states a year, but presently they're on a budget hold. There's an election coming up, and I think things will improve after that. So those are the, the six states involved. Uh, Kansas is ranked fifth nationally in terms of exploitable wind resource. That is wind resource that's reasonably close to where they need it. Texas is probably number one, and uh, I think South Dakota is number two. North Dakota has an equal amount of wind resource, but it's too far away from the markets to make it ranked as high. Okay. The wind turbine is made by a company called Southwest Wind Power. Uh, they make a couple other small wind turbines. It's rated at 1.9 kilowatts. Uh, that means at when you're in a class three wind, which is 14 miles per hour average, then it'll generate three to 400 kilowatt hours of electricity per month. At the eight cents a kilowatt hour that I pay, and I hope most of you are just wishing you lived in Kansas, uh, that works out to about $30 a month. So that's the kind of amount of paying. For a school, even a school with only three seniors, they're not going to notice the electricity bill. But the wind turbine will pay for itself. The turbine is designed as a, uh, an ideal uh, single-family machine. And it would meet, say, it would, it would pay my electricity bill in, in April, say, when I, I'm not using too much. Okay. Costs. The turbine price is cut in half by Southwest for the sake of schools. If you wanted to buy one, you'd be looking at something closer to $6,500. The tower depends a lot on what you put it on. Wind gets a lot higher in velocity if you go up in height and elevation. The power available in the wind goes as the cube of the velocity, so it makes a big difference. Uh, shorter poles cost less. So that's the difference between $2,000 and $6,000. Uh, the foundation, it depends, again, on how big a pole you need. Uh, electrical connection, that's the box and the wires that you need to get from your house to the, or your school, to the turbine. 
Our program arranges to get the installation donated by the electrical utility at the school so that the school is looking to be out something between seven and $16,000. Those are not the same prices as you would be looking at if you wanted to get one, and I'll get to that at the end of the talk if I have time. Okay. So what I do is arrange for some financing. Our state throws in $1,000 per turbine. Uh, we arrange for some interested uh, government or large size industry thing to donate $2,000 per turbine. For us this year, that's a major wind developer in Kansas, and it'll be different things in different states. The utility and the community together are asked to donate the labor, the concrete, the steel that goes into the foundation, the wire, and the boxes, and the labor to get all that up. So that, that's a fairly significant uh, source of, of money. And the school, if it goes for the cheap route, is out $1,500. And that's the, that amount was, was selected as part of the program. If we can get the school's input down, we don't want them to put in nothing because then they won't see any value in the machine. But if their input is down to 1500 the machine will pay itself off in five years. So it's not a burden on their tax base and so on. Okay. The schools, on the other hand, have to agree to integrate the wind turbine into the curriculum these wind turbines are, uh, they have a uh, Bluetooth wireless download system built in. So they talk to a base station that plugs into a computer. And they're continuously providing the data on uh, how fast they're turning and how much power they're making at, at any instant. And then over time, that, that comes to energy. They don't tell you how fast the wind is blowing. And a wind turbine does not simply go faster when the wind goes faster, because if it did, it would kill itself by the time the wind got too fast. You couldn't spin up to die. So uh, you need extra instrumentation if you want wind velocity as well. Uh, what we want the schools to do is to cooperate with the other wind for schools, schools in sharing data. Um, but they don't have to commit to sending their students to me, but I would love it if they do that. Uh, we take the, those students that are interested in engineering and put them on the energy side and uh, send workers into the wind industry so that if they're not going into engineering but, say, want a technician degree, which is a two-year degree, then they would be able to work at one of the wind farms. That's a very lucrative and uh, a very high-paying job. Uh, I personally think it would be loads of fun to be climbing up 200-foot wind towers all the time. But um, it's, it, we don't have anything like enough workers at the rate the wind industry is growing. So. Community benefit. When you do something for a school, as opposed to what my neighbor feels like doing for himself, you get a whole attitude shift. This is something that's cool that my, my kids are going to get to play with. It's probably going to help the school with their electricity bills, even if it doesn't make a big difference. And besides, it's pretty. So they get a positive attitude, hopefully, towards wind energy in general. They get more comfortable with the idea of a wind turbine. They see it isn't enormous. It doesn't make a lot of noise. Um, they hopefully will see that, uh, you know, when the wind is blowing and what direction and what difference it makes to get your energy from wind. 
In Kansas, we have, we're probably close to the most backward state in terms of regulations that are favorable towards renewable energy. You name what kind of law that is supposed to help renewable energy development, we don't have it. So the way to change that is for the citizens to push on the legislature. And if the citizens say, these things are good, I want one too, and the response is, well, we need, really need these um, net metering and various other laws, they will hopefully push on the legislators and get them to change their attitude. The utilities are much the same way. And I have another slide here. Um, most of Kansas is rural electric cooperatives. There are something like 30 utilities in the state of Kansas. I don't know how that relates to the rest of this, the country. And only three of those are investor-owned. The others are all community-owned of one sort or another. Most of those co-ops do not understand wind energy, and they are afraid of it. They see it as a threat. They think, if we have to start putting up wind turbines, then the wind stops, the electricity goes out, and everybody already hates us when the electricity goes out, which it does all the time. <laughs> so this will help them, we hope, to become more accepting, particularly of small-scale community wind. Uh, they get to help put up the machine. On um, the one in the picture, you can see a thing at the bottom there. Um, that is the part of the truck. And this particular wind turbine was put up by the city. It's the city-owned truck because it's a city municip municipal utility. And they got to put in the foundation and do all that work, and they know what's involved now. They know exactly how the electricity from this turbine works. And if they get experience with these small-scale machines and realize this one is so small, that's one reason for the size, it does not generate more electricity than the school ever uses. They never have to sell any back to the grid. They never get threatened with that. You're going to make electricity, and we're going to not get paid. Maybe they'll be a little more encouraging of net metering. And I, I'll do a little definition here. Parallel generation is any time a private organization, which could be you or a whole town or um, a wind developer, develops an energy source and then wants to sell that energy to the utility. Net metering means, the specific term, means that I can sell the electricity that I make to the utility at the same rate that utility charges me for electricity. So you only need one meter. When you're buying electricity, the meter turns one way. When you're selling, it turns the other way. In Kansas, net metering is not required, um, and nobody does it. Uh, they will put a second meter, so when you sell electricity, I can sell it back to the utility at something like three cents and buy it at eight or 10. So um, we really need net metering to encourage small wind. Okay. What do I hope to get out of it? Um, well, I'm not putting these things up by myself. I've got a group of students that do the on-site, uh, where on this school ground is the best place to put this wind turbine, which of these schools that have applied has the best site, they get to do a lot of PR, too, which isn't something most engineers deal with. Um, they talk to people, ask, answer questions of how much it costs and how do you do this and why and where do I get this stuff anyway. 
So it's good research for them. Uh, I hope, of course, that I will get more students as I get more wind turbines up. Uh, I get a lot of attention. I get a lot of press. So that means an increased uh, potential for research funding. I have two to five people a week calling me. Uh, how do I do this for myself? So I get a lot of outreach to interested citizens and a lot of interest broader than just the engineering college across the rest of the campus. In fact, K-State is looking at putting up one or more large turbines now. Um, and it helps that I'm working with the little ones. Okay, so what do I hope to see? I hope that this is what my, my world looks like in the next few years. A lot of kids looking at computer screens saying, ours is doing better than theirs is. Um, uh, uh, we just put up the first three are all fairly close together. And so those schools would compete with each other. And uh, we have not yet, but will develop a website where you can see the, uh, how all the turbines are doing at one place. Um, I hope to get communities understanding renewable energy interested in putting up their own turbines of various sizes, uh, an increasing workforce for wind energy. And on the larger scale, every wind turbine that goes up is that much less carbon, that much less nitrous oxides, that much less sulfur oxides, less human impact, and a better tomorrow. So that's what I am, I am hoping for. Okay. What for the world? Well, everything I think that I do that makes my human footprint smaller is good for God too. Um, Lynn Billman talked yesterday and mentioned that a lot of the meetings that she's having at Greensburg would start and end with prayer. I have not um, been explicit about my faith, but I don't hide it either, and most of my students know where I'm at. Uh, every time I put up a wind turbine, somebody's talking to me on the television, you know, why are you doing this? It's very easy to say it's, it's what I should do as a Christian for care for, for this world that we're in. So, um, I didn't mention in particular, and this matters a lot in Kansas, is the less water demand. Wind does not need any water. Any other electric generation, with the exception of solar PV, needs water. Western Kansas is in a horrible drought, which is probably not going to go away. The global warming says less and less water. Um, the more that water gets stays in the ground or for humans to drink, instead of being used to make electricity, the better off we are. Um, next question is, all right, well, they're, well, they're cute, they're little, but um, they're not really a lot of use for school bills. There are at least two uh, medium-sized wind turbines designed for the same thing. that go behind the meter. They don't put electricity out on the grid. All the electricity goes first to the school, and then if there's any extra, out to the grid. So they're, they're already at the voltage, the, the 208 volts that schools work at. Integrity is 50 kilowatts. Put it up, costs $200,000. Uh, it pays itself off, depending on the wind and the price of electricity, between 6 and 15 years. I think 10 it might be a little bit more. The low side's a bit optimistic. There are at least three integrities at schools in Kansas now. And it's a pretty little machine. 
uh, has engineering attractivenesses too. Want to go even bigger? You've got a bigger school, uh, Wichita, for instance, or Kansas City. If you've got the wind, the Northwind 100 costs just about exactly twice as much as the other one, and it generates twice as much power. And again, pays itself off if you use all that electricity in uh, 6 to 15 years. Both of these are too big for a house, really. And something that I don't have in here, you, turbines are rated, and it's really up to the manufacturer, at some wind speed that they pick to generate this amount of, of power at an instant. But obviously the wind doesn't blow continuously at that rated wind speed. So saying it's 100 kilowatts doesn't mean that if I run it for 100 hours, I've generated 1,000 kilowatt hours. All sites have something called a capacity factor, which is typically about a third, which says that if I can block the wind into to pieces, I generate rated wind at, for about a third the time, and the rest of the time the wind doesn't blow. Of course, that's not reality, but uh, one third gives you about the right number. For good wind sites, it's higher than that. It's pushing uh, 0.5, not quite that high. Um, whenever I do this talk anywhere else, everybody wants to know, how do I get one, and how much would it cost me? <laughs> uh, they are sized for individuals. Installed, they run between twelve dollars and $15,000, depending on the tower and how far you have to run the wire. Copper is a big expense. Savings, about $30 a month if your electricity is $0.08 cents in a kilowatt hour. Uh, you can figure out where that's going if, you're electricity, if you live in California. Um, you really do need decent wind. Other small wind options, Bergie's a big one. They make a 10-kilowatt machine. And you can show, with a little bit of math, that your payback time on anything less than 10 kilowatts tends to push 30 years. This turbine was designed to be very, very um, maintenance-free. It's, it, it's a solar car motor on a pole. Um, it, so it doesn't need a lot of work, and that's good. But it's still, because of the cost of the pole more than anything else, it's going to take 30 years to pay it off. So you do need to have that kind of tucked in the back of your head if that's an important factor. A um, little bit of just wind energy in general. This is the lowest cost renewable energy we've got. Um, probably even lower than hydro at this point, uh, assuming that we've kind of exploited every good hydro site that we can that was not going to ruin the environment too badly. It is the most rapidly growing nationwide. It's growing an enormous amount. Uh, you can do anything from one little turbine to great big wind farms. You don't need any wind. One of the things they've put these up against in Kansas is a coal plant. I build a 700 kilowatt coal plant, no, megawatt, sorry, got my decimal points in the wrong place, in one place. It's going to need a decent workforce, but they have to go and move there, or else they're, they're already there. If I put up 700 megawatts of wind, that's probably in seven or five at least different sites, different counties. And each 100 megawatts fills a county. It needs employees 
it needs something like uh, five employees per five turbines, something like that. They don't have to leave home. So these tiny little towns that we have with 500, 1,000 individuals, these people can live at home. So your, your young people don't have to leave to go to the big city to find work. So this is a good way of keeping some rural communities alive. There's a lot of money that comes into the community. Uh, there are payments in lieu of taxes that go to the county go for the land. Um, the landowners receive a substantial payment, and it depends on how that's negotiated. So this is money that goes directly into the rural economy as opposed to into an urban center, as would normally happen with a concentrated coal plant. Okay. I think that's a map of all the wind in the country. Sorry. And that's where we're going. So I'll have to skip that. Um, Kansas just, at the end of this year, will have passed 1,000 megawatts of installed wind. Uh, Texas just passed California for the most in the country. And the U.S. just passed Spain and is now number two for the total amount of wind installed. Uh, if you think about land area, uh, Germany's number one. In terms of land area and available wind resource, we've got a long way to go. But we're getting there. Prices. New wind, that means just putting up new wind turbines, are running five to six cents a kilowatt hour with the, that's a production tax credit that the Congress must please reinstate for next year. Without the production tax credit, it's um, six to eight, I think, cents per kilowatt hour to build it. Natural gas is five to six. New coal is four to eight, and it's getting higher, and that's without a carbon tax. Um, and that's really kind of shaky. We understand from our local utility that they don't want to put in coal because the people who build the coal plants refuse to guarantee a price. And the reason is, is the uncertainty with the carbon. Mm -hmm. Old coal costs two to three cents a kilowatt hour. So this is what the utilities are comparing. They say, all right, um, this is what I have to pay now. This is what you want me to pay. But that's not fair. This has already depreciated the coal plant. So what's old wind cost? Once you depreciate those wind turbines, they don't cost anything except the maintenance. What's um, <laughs> I think I'll explain that later. Does anybody else need an explanation? <laughs> Take forever. <laughs> Solar is another one. And right now, where's my red thing? Right now, solar, 10 cents a kilowatt hour is really an optimistic estimate. It works in California where you guys pay ridiculous prices. Well, you pay real prices for electricity. I guess the rest of us are paying, paying artificially low ones. Um, it's coming, but it's not coming yet. But wind is here now. So, uh, well, there's a, I think I'm going to put that graph up and stop here. There's a few more, but not a whole lot. This is NREL's. 20% wind generation capacity by the end of 2030 projection. To build that much wind in the country, every one of those little tiny white spots solidly packed with wind turbines, <laughs> and the black spot is the total acreage of, of wind farm. So uh, that puts in 
I don't know what the numbers are and everywhere else, but I know in Kansas it's 8,000 uh, 8, megawatts. And we just passed 1,000, so that's an entirely reachable goal. Uh, the pattern of where the turbines are reflects two things. One is where the wind is good, which is pretty much right down the middle. And then offshore, that's where Michigan's going to put them on. And the other is availability of transmission. Uh, North Dakota doesn't have a way to ship electricity easily yet, anyway, uh, to places where people live, whereas we in Kansas can ship to uh, Missouri, Nebraska. And then they're building uh, lines now to ship down towards the southeast where there is no wind. So I'll stop there, see if you got questions. <laughs> That's, that must be taken into account for the little machine. It's a really a DC machine, the, the Skystream. And all the electronics, there's a, an inverter electronics in the, in the nacelle, and it matches the grid before it puts down. It's probably cleaner electricity than most of our typical grid. Yes, it, it won't. Yeah, it'll come with some form of braking. They have to, otherwise they kill themselves. <laughs> Illinois has just begun building wind farms. Surprisingly, the opposition to the wind farms, all kinds of, seems almost organized opposition. Have you uh, had to address the opposition about birds and planes? Yes, those are typical things that I f have to deal with. Um, couple of ways to deal with birds. Uh, one is that, well, the reputation was started with the Altamont Pass wind farm in, in uh, California, which is a high concentration of raptors anyway. So it was a stupid place to put the wind turbines, was the answer to that. In general, they seem to kill no more birds than any other power system, uh, certainly less than uh, coal plants, a lot less. Uh, there are engineering solutions to predict for migratory birds. They are going to run into wind turbines if the foggy, if it comes in fog and the fog is low. So you just turn the turbines off in that kind of a situation. You know this is coming. It's migratory season. The weather is rotten. We can turn them off. Uh, and uh, the one objection I can't deal with is they're ugly. <laughs> one of the objections I frequently get is, aren't they loud? And I say, well, have you ever heard one? And I've never heard anybody complain about their noise who has actually heard one. <laughs> so that's, and I, I have a little video on here, but it isn't going to run. The software's not right. Of the noise these things make, they sound like a refrigerator and they're 60 feet up in the air. So well, you're not going to hear them. It's, sometimes it's Audubon, and it's, it's basically ignorance, I think. And fear of something new. Um, some people just don't like anything artificial that they see in the landscape. I think there are a lot of visual improvement vast over uh, cell phone towers, but people don't complain about them. Uh, yeah, so, right.
I got a de-leash. I don't have to leave, so Joe can. No. The third talk and final talk in this session.